Hello and welcome to the latest uh, Forever Blue podcast brought to you by charleslouis.co.uk Chartered Mortgage Advisors based in Ramsbottom, run by Dave, who is a big City fan. Have a look at the website. They're giving you support because they're giving us their support and without it, there would be no podcast and they have committed to the season for which I am truly grateful. Um, Hopefully uh, the vlogs will be back soon as well. uh, obviously, as long as I can find some sponsorship from somewhere, which is very hard at the moment. Uh, once again, thanks very much to everybody. Uh, this is the last time I'll say this, but thanks very much to everybody who sent me lovely supportive messages. Because today, the day I'm recording this podcast, was my dad's funeral. So um, thanks very much for all the, the, the kind messages that, that you have sent. Um, obviously, yesterday, as we record this on Monday evening, uh, City were battered, humiliated, um, you know, insert whichever word you want to use, really. Uh, some people might be offended by that and say, you know, we weren't battered. We weren't what you're talking about. You're being negative. Well, you can't argue with the facts. And so we're going to look back on the 5-2 defeat against Leicester City. On Wednesday this week, um, mm-hmm. there is another game. It is, of course, the, the next round of the Carabao Cup against Burnley. And then it's Leeds on Saturday. So there's quite a lot to talk about. Uh, Obviously, there's a a new defensive signing on the way with uh, Nicholas Otamendi going the other way. Perhaps we'll talk about that a little later on. I just want to start by giving my own view. Uh, You may have seen um, a column that I write now on a weekly basis in the Thameside newspapers uh, uh, for Glossop, Oldham and for Thameside. And in that, I gave a few of my views as to why I think the defeat against Leicester happened. I didn't look at it in isolation. I looked at it as something which is part of a pattern, um, which if you go back to the defeat in the Champions League against Lyon, you go back to the Arsenal defeat in the FA Cup semi-final, and you look at one or two other defeats towards uh, the end of last season, and obviously numerous defeats in the Premier League last season, you know, you can see a little bit of a pattern. Now, I firmly believe that in the vast majority of Premier League games, and that will also apply this season, City will win and they will win comfortably because they are so superior in terms of personnel, in terms of attacking philosophy, attacking quality, um, that they will overwhelm the opposition. And many of the teams that play City, and these days it doesn't really matter whether it's home and away, being played in empty stadiums, there'll be many teams that will basically be so frightened of City because of the quality that they have that uh, that they become easy meat, really. And that's not being insulting. That's just the reality of when you watch the games. However, when City come up against teams who are stronger mentally, physically, um, that's when they seem to have problems. Now, it's a complex problem, and I have three people with me tonight, Harlan, Paul and Louisa, who will be giving me their views. Um, But from my point of view, uh, I've seen a steady decline, if I'm being honest, in in City's performances on the field. Um, And that might seem a bizarre thing to say when City of last season were the Premier League runners-up. Um, They got to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, won the League Cup, semi-finals in the FA Cup. Things that older fans like me could only dream of for many, many years. So that isn't me becoming greedy or saying, well, you know, we are expecting this now or we have a right to do it. Far from it. I don't think that for one second. But you can only deal with what you have, you know, the team you have, the, the manager you have and the situation that you find yourself in. And if I look back two seasons ago when City were the Centurions or I look back that the season when City just nipped the title away from Liverpool, 
uh, I saw great, great performances, p performances that oozed class and just made me, frankly, froth at the mouth because it was just amazing stuff to watch. Fantastic. <laughs> and obviously we were all there in the stadium as well, which, uh, which makes it even better. Uh, but what we've seen uh, over the last few years is a slow exit of the absolute mega stars that we've been lucky to watch at Manchester City. Um, Yaya Toure, Vincent Kompany, David Silva. Um, I would even put Leroy Sane in that bracket, you know, real quality player with exceptional pace. who I think will go on to be a superstar now at Bayern Munich. And now, of course, uh, Sergio Aguero has a long-term injury and he's in his last season. So perhaps we're seeing the, the end of, of Sergio Aguero. And when I look at the players that have come in to replace these players, I don't see the same quality. Um, Fernandinho is a player I didn't mention then. Fernandinho is a player that I think has been exceptional in that position just in front of the back four. But Rodri, his replacement, in my opinion, and I saw that Micah Richards said something very similar last night, um, is it, just not, not the same standard. I was saying it last season. And, of course, in those games where City sweep the opposition aside, it doesn't matter. You don't notice. And when people criticise Benjamin Mendy and they criticise Eric Garcia, as they have done in bucket loads in the last 24 hours, um, they, they seem to be blaming it all on defenders. To me, City also have a plethora of players like Riyad Mahrez, like Phil Foden. Yes, Phil Foden, the stop point in Yester. Uh, like one or two other players like that who haven't got... And you, you might want to make an excuse and say, well, Foden's a young player. And fair enough, we all want him to succeed. So this isn't an attack on him. It's just stating the, the facts. Now, Gabriel Jesus is another player like this. Uh, Raheem Sterling is a player like this. That they, They're not players who are really geared up to be part of the defensive side of City. So we push six players onto the edge of the opposition box we keep possession for 80, 90% of the game. We knock it around. We keep possession. And that is the idea. You keep the, the threat away. But it seems more and more now that opposition sides are hitting one long ball and suddenly exposing the, the back four. Now, I'm not saying that Benjamin Mendy is, is the, the real deal. The other three might disagree with me in a minute. I'm not talking about how good Eric Garcia is or Nathan Ake in his early games or... Um, Kyle Walker at right back. What I'm saying is, oh, obviously, Rodri is a holding midfielder. But what I am saying is that they are so exposed by the lack of protection from any of the other players, really, in the team. Even Kevin De Bruyne, as brilliant as he is, and he probably does come back a little bit more and help out. Most of those other players seem to only have one thing on the mind, and that's to go forward. So when we dominate games, that's brilliant. Fantastic to watch. Love it. But when we're not dominating games against teams that are anything like the same standard as City, then there is nothing to come back and help that back four. The goalkeeper becomes so exposed. When was the last time you remember seeing Edison made, made a, a great save? Did he make one in the Leicester game? Did he make one against Arsenal? Did he make one against Leon? I can remember Joe Hart making loads of great saves when he was at his bump. We have a goalkeeper now who's great with his feet, great distribution. But when does he make great saves that keep City in the match? So that's my little rant to start off with. Um, <coughs> you three now can come in. So it's Harlan, Paul and Louisa. And you know what? Rather than introduce you separately, 
I've said my bit now. You fight for the microphone. You just go for it. I don't care who goes first, who goes second, who speaks the longest. Tonight is a night for raw emotion, for a raw opinion, because it's a night when uh, anybody listening to this, even if it's the morning when you're listening to it, City fans are, are not really happy at the moment. There's, there's still a few happy clappers out there who say it's a one-off. It's, I saw City's Twitter account, bad day at the office. But is it really? You know, when it's been going on for so long now in the big games. So, come on, gang. I'm, what do you think? I'm old-fashioned, so I'm going to say let ladies go first. Not you, Alan. Yeah, go on, Louisa, I agree with that. Go on. Oh, that's very nice of you. <laughs> not, not right. even just well, for that, though, Louisa. Just because I think that you, I think that you, you know, I want to, I want to hear what you say first before I, I say my bit. That's cool. That's all right. Um, well, well, I've, I've still, I'm still two-sided. Uh, like you guys, we've been fans for many years. So half of the side of me, um, that still you know, stuck in the past of all those bad games and uh, it was down in the lower divisions. When you listen to the after-match interview of uh, Bardi and, and even their manager, and they're saying that City are a team to beat, I'm still quite proud and still quite astonished that other clubs in the Premier League see Manchester City as a club that they have to beat because I'm still eight years plus living in the past, thinking we're still rubbish, we're still losing matches, we're still being demoted or whatever. Uh, so, I, so I'm kind of a bit proud, first of all, that we've, we've turned into a team that every uh, team in the Premier League, and if we're in FA Cups and you know we're playing, playing lower league teams, they want to beat us. So first of all, there's that. Uh, second of all, the days of dominating teams anyway of Premier Leagues, like your Chelsea days, like your United days, they're just never going to happen anymore because there's always been the allegations of um, referees being biased. Um, so on that note as well, you've also got the fact that VAR, there are still the powers that be. And they could possibly be biased, not in our favour, but against us. So there's always that. So I think that the, the days of Premier League domination by any team is perhaps over. And I do think that other teams have had help in being where they are today because of those reasons. And we're never going to get that. Um, I also <laughs> think that... Um, right, so let's go on to what Ian was saying. Uh, the team itself, I totally agree with that, that back four or back three or back two, whoever's holding back there. Sometimes there's only one defender at the back. It's dangerous. And I don't think we've got strong enough defenders anyway for there to only be one person at the back. I'm probably quite sure that if we watched older matches in the last few years and you've got Vincent Company, he was probably on his own down the back quite a few times. Um but because he was such a good player and such an amazing defender, you were never worried if somebody did make a break because he'd always be there and he'd always be cleaning up at the back. But I don't think we've had one defender that can match company whatsoever. And of course, we've never replaced him. And that's been a subject for many podcasts. Um, I don't think Edison's good enough at the minute. Um, I Three penalties and he didn't even save one, one out of three. What does you know? I'm sure he practices this stuff every day. You know, it's his job. 
Um, I also believe that we've got players that are too bit too fancy. They want to protect their their legs, their knees, their career. And I guess there's nothing wrong in that. Who wants to finish a career early if you're a football player? But at the end of the day, we need players that aren't scared to get stuck in, even if it's Mares. I think I personally think Mares is, is a bit too scared to get his legs in and get his feet in. So he's never going to defend for us. He's one of the fastest players on the pitch. Why can't he get back? He's never gonna, he's never gonna want to risk it. But one thing I wrote at the very top of my, my notes, you always thought I've always got notes, <laughs> is um, quite a few players now are playing for us because we're Manchester City, not because they're passionate about the club and the team. Now, I know that comes with success because you can say that for Manchester United, you can say that for Chelsea and all Bayern Munich, whoever, the other big teams. But there's always going to be players that are passionate for a club because they feel a part of the family, whether they're from here or not. I don't mean someone local. I even mean someone like Kevin, someone like Vincent, who dedicated his career to this club. And we need players like that. We don't need players that are just playing for us because we won Premier League after Premier League and, you know, whatever. So we need players that want to play for us and want to be part of the, the home, not just um, a part of the club because it's successful and nobody else is. Even though we didn't win the league last year, I can't see many big famous players wanting to go and play for Leicester at the minute. No disrespect to Leicester. They'd still rather come to City and even Liverpool. I think they'd still rather come to City because it's Manchester City. So I think that we want players that want to be at home here because they're going to fight their heart out. And you can see that in someone like Kyle Walker and someone like Kevin De Bruyne. When the going gets tough, they're still the only two standout players to me that um, dig in and dig deep <clears throat> and actually fight to try and get something and do something. But we can't only have two players out of 11 that are doing that. We need 11 players out of 11 players that are digging in. Some matches, it's only Kevin. And you can very clearly see it's only him that's digging in and going for as many balls as he can get and feed as many balls as he can get and be on the end of as many balls as he can get. And that's why Kevin's such a big name and such a big deal because he's constantly being mentioned because he's constantly all over the pitch. Two years ago, Kevin De Bruyne was the same player he is now, in my opinion. Great, great player. Fantastic player. City's best player right now. By a mile. Uh, but two years mile. ago, two years ago, he was surrounded by other great players. Yeah, yeah. And now we seem to have become completely reliant on Kevin De Bruyne. That's how it feels to me. And I agree. I, I, yeah. I get that Kyle Walker, who has had some stick, obviously he gave a penalty away. I do get that Kyle Walker, to me, looks like somebody who cares, somebody who runs yeah. up and down, somebody yeah. chases back. He might not be perfect. Yeah. And actually, I'm sad to see, and this will surprise a few people perhaps, I'm sad to see Nicholas Otamendi go, because to me, he was City's only and best out-and-out defender. He wasn't perfect, but he was an actual defender, who, an old-fashioned defender who was all about trying to stop the opposition. And now we have players who are all about passing in defence, but don't seem to be able to defend. Paul, Harlan. We're never going to have a decent defence without players that are prepared to, to get their, themselves kicked to death. 
because I agree with you, Otamendi has, has been in the headlines for all the wrong reasons in the last few matches that he's been in because he's either... Uh, his giveaway fouls, you know, he's fouled badly or his giveaway penalty, whatever. But he's but, always in the but, thick of the action and so they go missing, don't they? That's exactly it. I mean, a defender is going to get into trouble. Defenders have got more chance of being sent off because of what they're supposed to be doing. So I, I can't believe Otamendi's going. I've not seen the news, so I'm gutted about, about you saying that. We need more players like Otamendi that, that are prepared to get stuck in. And, and I kind of think that if we'd have had more players prepared to, to get themselves stuck in, we wouldn't have given three penalties away. But we'll, I'll, we'll probably talk about it later. But I don't still like that second penalty. I still don't think it should have been given. But I'm sure we'll <laughs> talk about that in a bit. Uh, right, I've had a bit of a rant, so I'll, I'll give some room <laughs> for some of the others. But of course, I've got lots more rant. to say. <laughs> Go on. I have mine now. Um, <clears throat> right, football for me is gone. As it, from what it was a couple of years ago, or even last season, it's gone to to a, to a level now where, you know what, I wasn't even bothered about watching a game yesterday, if I'm being perfectly honest. I wasn't bothered about watching it. Um, the three penalties, I, I've, I've come out on Twitter today and said the soft penalties, and people have said, oh, no, they were definite penalties. In modern football, they were definite penalties, but football has become the softest contact sport on the planet. Um, I might have mentioned this. I, I used to play rugby. Um, I'm, I'm about 15 stone myself. Now, I used to play against guys who were 18, 20 stone. For me to put that person on the floor who didn't want to go on the floor, if you want to stay on his feet, it took a lot of effort. Just by, if I, if I could play rugby and just rest my hand on somebody's shoulder and they would fall over, I would be playing for Great Britain. England, probably the All Blacks and everybody, because that, to me, is not football. Them three penalties were played for and got. Yeah, Walker touched him. Um, yeah, the other penalty, again, they were touched. As soon, and you listen to the commentary, the commentators said, as soon as he felt a touch, he went down there. And, and, and as though it was like, well played. It's not well played, it's cheating. I don't, you know... In this modern day, it's not cheating because that is what football's become. But in my era, when I used to love and watch football, with my dad on the terraces, you used to see some crunching tackles. The players would just get up and get on with it. That, that There was a situation where I think it was Raheem Sterling went through and he was touched in the same way as the other players were for, for Leicester. And... He, I think he slid and Michael sort of like stopped him, you know, sliding in the back of the net. They all said, oh, that's definitely not a penalty. There was a bit of a touch, but not enough. Well, what's the difference between a little touch and, a, and even a little a touch? It's a touch. If you're going to have a penalty for a touch, you've got to give it for all touches. Football now is a non-contact sport, in my opinion. Um, as for the performance, um, there was not one player on that pitch yesterday that could come out with in my opinion, above a six. Um, you know, we scored We scored an early goal. Um, we dominated for the first 30 minutes. They didn't have a clue. We didn't put the ball in the back of the net enough. We were tippy-tappying about. It wasn't the penetrating football that we've had from two seasons ago, maybe. You know, last season was a decline from the season before. We've lost that press. We've lost the urgency. 
you know, we just seem to pass the ball about as though it's the, you know, the last five minutes of a game just to waste the waste the game away. Um, Phil Foden, I wasn't aware he were playing yesterday. Um, Mendy, I've said this before, he's got the turning circle of the QE2, he's got no pace. Um, he's gone even slower this season if, from what I've seen. So he's, he's, he's excess baggage we're carrying. Uh, Kyle Walker, can't fault him. He's trying his best. He's doing his bit. And on another day, he might have had a goal himself yesterday. Um, Edison, great distributor of the ball, or was a great distributor. We don't really see that much of him doing that this season so far. Um, who else can I single out for? Uh, I don't like singling out players. I could go through all the 11. Fernandinho was the only one that could come out with any any sort of praise, yet he got substituted. And I haven't a clue why Pep did that. Pep, to me, this season, we've, we're a one-trick pony. We've got one style of play, and that's it. The only thing he's changed this season, he's had to bring in uh, an old-fashioned centre-forward, if you like, because, you know, we've had injuries, so they brought the lap in. He's your old-school, old-school, you know, your, your Alan Shearer kind of player. Um but if we're not going to get the ball to him, we're not going to do the tracking back. You just kick the ball over, stick one of your speed merchants on the end of it. One of our defenders, he's going to touch one of the players in the box. Down they go, penalty. That's what happened yesterday. That was, you know, that was the runner play yesterday. Uh, and that concludes uh, the Risby ramp. Thank you. Well, you, know how intensely, you know how intensely I, I, um, I watch football, and I think... Everybody that listens to the podcast by now in 18 months probably know that I go a bit more in depth than, and this is no offence to Paul, but I go a bit more in depth than Paul. I watch a lot of football, I watch a lot of teams, I watch a lot of teams that we play against in their matches and, and kind of understand that, that them as well. Um, we I think we can all agree that yesterday Leicester came with the game plan and it it wasn't going to plan for Brendan Rodgers when Mahrez put us ahead. I think Rodgers must have been thinking, here we go, that's not going to plan. Um, and then we allowed them. We allowed them to get back in the game. I agree with Louisa to an extent in the fact that that Kyle Walker's improved from last season. Last season, at times, I thought Kyle Walker was a liability. I remember the Crystal Palace game. All we drew two all. It was one of his worst ever games. In never mind a City shirt, a Tottenham shirt, and an England shirt. It, it was all three of them in one. It was a terrible, terrible footballing performance from 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 Kyle Walker. Um, but he's improved this season, and 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 his pace saves him a lot of the time. But he, he's, he seems like he's 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 getting back now. He's he's a lot more physical this season. He seems a lot more confident as well. And it almost seems like with the with the departure of Vincent Company that he's kind of taken on the role of of being being a leader at the back. I know we've not got many leaders and we've not got, but I I almost see Carl Walker as 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 the the right, Emerick's a fantastic football player, but I just see Carl Walker as that physical uh, player that that's got the pace and that that maybe is saved by that pace sometimes, but that has maybe taken the reins on and said, you know what, I'll, I'll try my best to organise this defence. But he is to blame for for giving away that first penalty yesterday. But there isn't only him to blame for that. And I think it's what you were getting at, Ian, the fact that in midfield at times, we give players far too much space, far too much time. Rodri, for me, allows people far too much time on the ball. He doesn't do what Fernandinho does and breaks up the play. He doesn't do what De Jong used to do and smash someone. He isn't physical enough, added to what Louisa said. There isn't somebody in there, you know, in Rodri that, that I believe will ever smash someone. I'm not I'm not trying to promote injuring people and 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 leaving people on the deck with, with six month 
to 12 month injuries here and layoffs. But but you know, go in a bit and and and, and get stuck in. Let, let your man know he's you're there. He did it against uh Wolves the other day. He, he won last week, sorry, he won a he, he won a challenge and it was with Fernandinho next to him. And I thought, go on, Rodri. You know, is this are you there now or what? You know, are you is, is this what we're gonna see? And then when Fernandinho went off yesterday, what like like what Paul said. Rodri kind of went back to default Rodri from last season. And it was like, if you, for me, have got to have Fernandinho on the pitch holding your hand and you're supposed to be his replacement in a year's time, then for me, you know, th that's not good enough. I, I watched the full highlights part. I did my own analysis of the highlights. I actually recorded myself doing it just in case, obviously, I could I could play it to you tonight. But just because I watched the whole game back on, on, on highlight in three minutes and I actually analysed the stuff before the penalties. And some of it, for me based on what I've seen for the last two years, is actually disgusting. The intensity, the work rate, the tracking back is absolutely terrible. I'll give you some players. Forden's to blame in one of them. Forden and Rodri as a partnership for the uh, for the Mendy penalty that Mendy give away. Them two are to blame. They get bypassed by uh, Madison. Um, for the first, uh, sorry, for the second Vardy goal, Castagna, he runs 20 yards past three City men. Kevin De Bruyne stops dead and stands there and watches Castagna run past him, stares there and watches the whole move unfold in front of his eyes. Ball comes across. Eric Garcia is a yard off the pace. Barney, nice little flick into the back of the net. Garcia, where were you? Get in front of your man. I was taught that at seven years old. If you're a defender, get in front of your man. If the cross doesn't get stopped, get in front of the man and stop the player that's receiving it, get into it. Shambolic yesterday in, in certain areas of the pitch and... It was it was schoolboy stuff. It was simple stuff that we weren't doing right. Um, Fernandinho made a mistake in midfield as well yesterday, where he it wasn't a mistake where he gave the ball away. It was a mistake where he allowed a player to pass him. That's not Fernandinho. Fernandinho doesn't let players run past him and pass him. I don't know whether he just didn't want to to, to get a yellow card maybe for the first time in in his career at City because I'd you could put a bet on Ferna getting a yellow card every game and you'd you'd be quids in every season, but he just didn't want to put the challenge in. Now, I love these players that I'm talking about, but you are right, Ian. Phil Foden gets a free pass for me. Kevin De Bruyne sometimes gets a free pass because of who he is. And for me, it's players like Mendy and, 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 and Mares. granted they make mistakes, and Gundogan even, who I love, that get lambasted. No matter who makes the mistake in a game, um, they could make uh, a little error in the match and De Bruyne could make a huge one. And people will spend that much time. The majority of City fans, I genuinely believe this, will take more time analysing the one tiny mistake that Gundogan, Mahrez or Mendy made than they will looking at the huge one that De Bruyne made because Kevin De Bruyne is allowed to make mistakes. But for me, if you're going to criticise one player for a mistake, you can criticise another player that's massive in the club for the same mistake because the same mistake has still been made regardless of which player it is. We've all got favourites. We've all got favourite players. But you can't start nitpicking at certain players more than others because you don't like them. You can do, that's your perspective, that's your prerogative. But there's an agenda against certain players and then players get lambasted for stuff that players like De Bruyne and players like the Stockport and he has to fill forward and get a free pass against. And, and for me, at times, I just think that we've got to look at it a bit more outside the box and, and look at players on an even kill sometimes and go, if he makes a mistake, he's getting what he's getting. I'm not saying lambast them, I'm just saying be a bit more rational with how you're criticising people. Well, if you, if you look at Foden yesterday, Harlan, um, sort of the first it might have been after their goal I can't quite remember at what point it was but it was in the first half and I was noticing 
that he was just strolling about when the ball wasn't anywhere near him. The others are still jogging a bit and still, you know, ducking and diving a bit and making themselves a bit more available if the ball happened to come back. But I kept looking at Foden in my, in my own little analysis of him and thought, why are you just strolling about? Why aren't you running? Why aren't you making anything, you know, to, the potential for something to happen? You've got, you don't get yeah. many chances to start a game. You started a match, make an impact, do something. And you're right about him being quiet. I don't even know where he was all match. The thing is, let me just say, go on. The thing is, if if people watch the Sky Sports highlights back, right, it's three minutes. That's the one I watched when I was, I, I had my mic on and I thought, do you know what, mm. I'm going to record what's going on before the goals get scored or before we give away the penalties. And I actually, I, I do that a lot, but in my head. And this time I thought I'll do it auditory mm. so I can listen back to it. And I've watched it back with the analysis. And if I can advise any City fan to do something tonight or tomorrow, if some don't want to watch it back because of how painful it was, then don't. But all I'd say is go back and watch it Look at some of the movement from the, the players that you wouldn't suspect would, would allow players to bypass them. Look at Fernandinho in a certain move. If you look at Garcia's movement for the Constantia pullback for Vardy's little cheeky flicky, you know, past Edison, you'll see where the problem is with Garcia, the fact he doesn't get in front of his man. If you look at the, the Walker penalty that he gave away, you'll actually notice that there's a massive mistake made before the ball even gets anywhere near Walker, and that puts Walker in the SHIT. Um, and he sees Vardy very late, but really shouldn't be as clumsy to make the challenge because Ake is covering Edison. You've got to trust your goalkeeper. Um, if you look at the Madison goal, you'll actually see that Eric Garcia, there's a, there's a poor amount of tracking back, so no one's near Madison for a start. Garcia doesn't get out to Madison enough. He's got all the time in the world. And one of the things that I got from the highlights was that players for Leicester yesterday in that second half we're allowed to carry the ball far too far. I'm talking 10, 15, 20 yards before a challenge is made. Not, you know, challenges weren't made, and that was where the problem lay. And a lot of Leicester's penalties yesterday, the commitment of the penalties and the uh, goals came from a lack of effort, a lack of closing down, a lack of intensity. Paul touched on it, a lack of press and a lack of defensive common sense. And for me, yes, Pep said years ago he doesn't coach tackling he doesn't coach defending no because defenders should know how to defend and those holding midfielders and players like Rodri regardless of how young he is and the fact he only, he's only 24 he should know what his position demands of him I love the passing I love the composure I love the spraying of the ball but like Ian said before you've got to have them defensive instincts and there's let, a lot of players bring, in our squad don't let me have bring some let me bring something to the table that's uh, two different points for the same thing is that First of all, the main people that were going for goal last night were defenders. So you had Walker having a decent crack. Fernandinho, decent header from that corner. Aki scored. Aki scored. Aki scored. <laughs> Aki scored. <laughs> um, Rodri had the offside goal. So you've got our defenders having a crack at goal. So number one, that's amazing and great and brilliant. We could do with everyone trying to have a crack at goal and our defenders are good enough to score goals if we can get them through. But the other point is when we, are, when we finish a match 4-2 down and we've got defenders at the front going for goals, doesn't that suggest that there's a bit of an issue as well? Oh, yeah, and it does. Our, and I'll our tell defenders you, should be defending, not being up there trying to get goals. I'll tell you what it does. 
I'll tell you what it does, and I think Paul will, will agree with this one. It shows that um, we've run out of ideas, and it shows that that the only thing that we can do is let Walker strike run from 25. And do you know what? Fair to him, we saw Walker hit one in 17-18, and De Bruyne hit one similar, I think, same season, where they both cracked the bottom the bottom corner of the, of, of the sticks, and Kyle Walker can strike the ball. All right, he'll fly a... He'll fly more over the bar in a season than he will hit the back of the net, but he can crack a ball. But when, like you say, you're having to rely on, to be honest, I was just really happy that I saw someone score from a set piece, from a corner. <laughs> and, and, and to be honest with you, it, it's just coincidence that Aki joins the club and we start scoring from, from, from corners. So we've got someone there now that can clearly rise and, and nod home. Um, bringing Delap on was the right decision, but for the wrong player, because Rodri was lost when Fernandinho went off, but we, you know, and he clipped the bar from a Mendy cross and to defend Mendy in this one, um, on the flip side, yes, he was quite poor in the game as well, but to look at him, I've said this four or five times on the pod, I've tweeted it out hundreds of times as well, I believe now, um, he's not a defender, he's a wide midfielder that got mislabeled as a kid, I genuinely believe that Benjamin Mendy was playing left back as a kid and he was playing there by default and he's been labeled as a left back. He's not. He's a wide midfielder. You could even argue at times, I think you've said this, Ian, that he'd be better deployed as a winger. I mean, you wouldn't do that with him because you've got enough. But he, he, he's, he's attack-minded. He's not defensive-minded. He's not, he's not defensively drilled. So to Isn't be fair... That the problem, though? Isn't that the problem, that everybody's attack-minded, which is great against the weak yeah. teams, against yeah. the teams that are come scared and think, oh, it's Manchester City today. Uh, uh, we'll be lucky if we keep this down to three or four. And in that situation, having 10 attackers, yeah, exactly. you know, which is what it feels like sometimes, we need to stop playing. We need to, stop, defense. we need to stop playing in Walker and Cancelo in a back four then, don't we? Because they're clearly not players that, that are drilled to play in a back four. They're not right backs and left backs. They're not in the same mould as... You know, you'll remember more than me, Ian, but they're not in the same mould as a Zabaleta, an out-and-out right-sided defender that can play as a right-back, that can go forward, but primarily he is there to defend. We haven't got players like that anymore. In fact, there's a lot of teams in the Premier League that don't have players like that anymore because the majority of teams buy wing-backs, they don't buy full-backs, they don't buy right-backs and left-backs anymore. The thing is, for a lot of teams in the Premier League, they've had strong back threes. So if you want to deploy Mendy, Cancelo and Walker as wing-backs, you've got to have a strong back three. We're now signing Ruben Diaz, which could be the answer to our to our prayers. Him, Ake, Laporte is a back three. And then you may see, in my opinion, the best Mendy, the best Walker, the best Cancelo going forward. And that will solve the problem of, like you said, Ian, us having to you know, worry about our defensive phase when we are pushing that many men up. But, but, Jamie Vardy, after the game, if I'm correct in the tweet, in the quote that I'm quoting, if you... Forgive me for double quoting. Uh, <clears throat> Jamie Vardy said, we targeted Rodri. Rodri is the player that plays in front of that. Whether it's a three, the new three that you're talking about, whether it's a four, a lot last season I talked about how much we missed Fernandinho, that when he played in the back four, he wasn't as effective. Rodri was always given that role. Rodri has become that player. Before it was Yaya Toure. You mentioned Nigel de Jong. Um, different, even Gareth Barry's played in that sort of position. Um, Rodri, to me, is nowhere near that standard. Um, and that, to me, is one of the fundamental flaws of this team. And if well, Jamie fact, Vardy yeah. is admitting after the game, we targeted him, what does yeah. that tell you? Well, the fact that Pep took Fernandinho off, did he take a knock, Fernandinho, or something? I don't, I don't remember seeing him take a knock. I don't even remember hearing after the game that he got a knock. 
So Rodri should have been the player that left the field to play. If he's going to take a defensive midfielder off and bring a striker on, then it should have been Rodri because Rodri was far poorer in that game than Fernandinho. And if anything, Fernandinho would have protected us more. So for me, Rodri is in there and he's another player at the moment that you can't criticise. I don't want to criticise any of our players. I love them all. But at the end of the day, you've got to say that he is another one that gets a free pass from a lot of fans. because he's I, think, I think we're still struggling with someone being the captain of the ship with somebody having that presence at the back yeah, because one match it might be Laporte when he's playing the next match it might be Walker the next match it might be Fernandinho who doesn't he took Fernandinho off for Louisa he exactly. took Fernandinho off he doesn't off. get a full game isn't there another issue though which goes back to what I said at the beginning that we've got loads of nice players we haven't got any absolute leaders and drivers. So we're talking about he's a captain, he's a captain. We've, the club have got five captains now. You know, they let the players select who they think the captain should be. What's wrong with having a captain who is the type who is going to galvanise? And, and where was the getting angry on the pitch yesterday? When we were losing that game and getting battered, let's remember this is the biggest home defeat that City have ever had at the Etihad Stadium. The biggest defeat that Pep Guardiola has ever had in his career. This was this is this was a one-off, yes, and there'll be some people saying, ah, once Ruben Diaz is in and Laporte will be fine. And of course, that maybe proved the case. But this this is not a, a one-off, you know, there have been other defeats as well. Don't City need Anger, you know, what were you, yeah, were you watching it, it not thinking, hang on a minute, before. come on, why aren't you angry about this? You're getting beat. Why was Pep not ranting? Why why is why are the players not arguing with each other and saying, Why did you not make that tackle? Yeah. Well, you don't look like they care. But you you oh, mentioned oh. him, you mentioned him, you mentioned before about Joe Hart. Joe Hart used to be used to get so angry and shout all the way up that pitch and gesticulate to the players as lovely and as soft and as, as you know amazingly beautiful as he was. When he was angry at the players, he'd make sure that they could hear him all the way at the back. Let look me bring Paul in. You're making a great Edison point. Looks. Sorry, but look how scary he looks. He's not shouting to anyone. He's just kicking around the divots at the back. Well, you and Harlan are making a better case for doing shouting than any of the players out there. Let me bring in Paul. Right, Paul is in the, is in the, you know, is an. I don't mean this in the wrong way, Paul, but is an angry man in the ground. You know, shouts and sings, and he's part of the the vocal section. So there is two parts to this. First of all, your reaction to what we've just been talking about, which is the lack of passion on the pitch. But also, do you think? Do you believe? that if there'd been 55,000 of us packed into that stadium, that City would have lost 5-2 to, to Leicester. Would the crowd, never mind the players, would the crowd have allowed that? You're absolutely spot on, and I don't think we've sort of, you know, we've just just started to touch on that. I know they always say, like, you know, the, the, the fans are the 12th man, but we'd have G'd him up, we'd have got him going. We'd have got him going. You got angry. Yeah, you would have got angry. And you watch now and when a, when it all does pear shapes, you know, we score, we they the opposition score. We just you just see pictures of players, you know, like on the haunches, like, you know, picking bits of blades of grass up and just thinking, you know, nobody's actually going round. I mean, I used to be a captain at, at rugby, and you know, if I if my team was performing as lacklustre as that. I would be going ballistic. I would be going around every single one of them. 
I'd be getting, you know, you, you used to have like little lead, little leaders. You got little packs, you know, your hunting packs, and and football's the same. You know, you, you've got little leaders all about you, 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 little generals. You're the lead, and you've got little generals about, and you'd be getting them geeing them up. You're getting them going. You see, you don't see that. You don't see that. We, for whatever reason, we're not playing as a unit. There's not, there's not a collective out there. When we used to, you know, two seasons ago, we used to we used to do the press, and everyone were pressing. Everyone was running around. They lost the ball. They went and got it back. You know, Bernardo, Bernardo Silva is fantastic at that. He's the smallest guy on the pitch. Yeah, he's like a little terrier. He'll run around annoying everybody. Phil Foden should be that. Phil Foden should be running his his little balls off, but he's not. He was. He was. I only knew Phil Foden was playing yesterday. When I saw the uh, replay of the goal, and he went up, he went over to uh, the play uh, to Mares and congratulated. I didn't even know he was on the field. I didn't even know he'd come off. If I'm being honest, damning, really. That is damning. I mean, I I, I agree. I, I agree totally. I mean, we, we've, we've talked here a lot. The ball in- we talked a lot here about about what's wrong, and and I'm sure it's a, a debrief we could carry on for for a lot longer. But what are the solutions? Um, you know that Ruben Diaz is coming in uh, for Nicolas Otamendi. Um, we're, we're a week away from the transfer window closing. Um, obviously, there'll be people out there saying, uh, and I've heard a lot, so I have to represent those voices as well because it's not really been mentioned much on this podcast. Um, that Mendy should never pull another sit shirt on again. Uh, that's that's how much people are upset by him. Um, they've also said that Eric Garcia, a player who has said himself that beyond this season, the one year he's got remaining on his contract, he has no intention of staying at Manchester City. So I've heard a lot of voices saying, what on earth are we picking a player for who has already declared that he doesn't want to be at the club next season? So that's two players that are getting an awful lot of stick at the moment. Um, what is, you know, obviously Gabriel Jesus is out now for two months. We know that uh, um, Sergio Aguero is likely to be out for at least that, if not more. Uh, and he's now in the, let's be honest, the twilight of his career. Should City be going out now having talked about signing Lionel Messi and potentially putting him on £2 million a week in wages. Yes, that was what would have happened. And it sounds like Messi now is another uh, problem, if you want to call it that, that may be lying in wait. Are we now waiting for Lionel Messi to come next summer when he can get a free transfer? You know, as and as, as the, the, the discussion about uh, Messi... Uh, took the focus off what City actually wanted to do this summer. So should they have been making more of an effort to sign a new left-back? Does Rodri actually need replacing? You know, should Pep be admitting that maybe he's got it wrong? And do we need a top-quality striker? A top-quality striker? Torres, maybe. He looks He looks a bit wishy-washy in what I've seen of him so far, if I'm being honest. I've seen little bits of him on YouTube and he does an odd little trick and something, but at the moment it looks a little bit lost. Now that might may improve, but you know that football fans, you know, we all keep talking about oh Foden, he's still young, couple of years he'll be good. Rodri, he's only twenty four, he'll be good in a couple of years. Torres is one for the future. What about for now? Yeah, but Ian, that, for now, with, with regards to Torres, that's how that's how Leroy started. Um, 
when we first signed him, he, obviously he's a bit bigger stature and he's a bit taller and he's a bit more elegant in the way he runs. But I remember, I remember Leroy was getting smashed off a few City fans in the first couple of weeks of the 16-17 season. Um, and then we saw what, what he developed into. I think Torres, reserve judgment on Torres for now to anyone that maybe not doubting him, but just maybe thinks like that's it. Um, because he's a terrific player, he's gonna be mint. Like, he's, he's the he's the he's Spain's biggest prospect at the moment. But regards to um, early on in the season, I get what you mean that the Messi uh scenario was probably you know um distracting us from the from the deals that needed doing at the time. But if they were going to play to pay two million pounds a week to Lionel Messi, why are they not going after Mbappe? Or well, this is somebody it, of that this is it. But at that time, we were, we were talking Kulabali, that's all anyone could talk about centre backs wise. Uh, then it was Kunde the other week, um, and we've signed neither of them two, and, and and now we've gone for Ruben Diaz. Now, if Ruben Diaz turns out to be what we expect and what what I know he can probably, you know, I've, I've watched him and what he can do in a blue shirt, then everyone will be going, do you know what? Um, I'm glad we got him and we didn't get Kulabali or or we didn't. Is get he fast? Is he Kunde. fast, Harlan? Um, because that's he's, what he's quite, in he, fast speed. He's, he's quite quick, quite dynamic, 23, so youthful. Uh, what I like about him is that he um, that he comes wide for the pass. So in a back three, he'll come wide for the pass. Uh, he also plays, and, and you're probably going to say, well, you can't say that. He, he plays Kevin De Bruyne-esque passes from centre-back. Which so is he plays great. And I'm going to stop you because um, I'm going to pin you down a little bit more, right? That's great to hear. Ake looks comfortable on the ball. But don't we need... Fast. If City are going to press forward and carry on in this pet style, then we're going to be always having this ball over the top. That's what Arsenal did. That's what Leon did. That's what Leicester did. It's become so predictable now yeah. that we're camped in the opposition half and a ball's knocked over the top. No, yeah, he's quick. When enough. Mendy first came to the club, he, 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 the whole thing about him was he's supposed to be fast. But as somebody said, in, I think it was Louisa said, he's got the turning circle of the QE2, right? It takes him that long oh. to turn round and act was it and, and actually get going that, that it doesn't matter what pace he's got so the only player at the back at the moment that we've got of pace is Kyle Walker and he showed it in one of the challenges that he did against Leicester City Bardi, yeah. so yeah. he can do we, it so we, as, as Ruben Diaz got that pace we've got more players we've got more players that have pace they're just not playing who? When, who? When, when's Bernardo ever had a full game? Bernardo's I, mean, not, not saying it, I love Bernardo he hasn't but, but Bernardo camps out on the edge of the opposition box, which is what he'll be. No, like what, it, what it is, like, is Ian, what it is, is Rodri, Rodri, Fernandinho's not blessed with pace. But every player has a reserve tank in them that they can dip into during a game to get somewhere, to get tight to someone, to put a challenge in. And every player, I mean, I think Paul will appreciate this. You, you, you run yourself into the ground and you feel tired to perception, and then there's an extra bit that you can squeeze out. And Fernandinho's the type of player that will hit his limit, and he's knackered. And you can probably still, still get that extra bit of juice out of him. Imagine a toothpaste tube that you've used all the toothpaste out of, and you scrunch it up, you scrunch it up, and you push that last bit out at the top. Fernandinho will give you that. And at the moment, I'm not seeing that from Rodders, and I'm not seeing that from a lot of players in the squad in the defensive phase. Good point. However, I'm asking you, Ruben Diaz, has he got Kyle Walker pace? He's not got Kyle, Kyle Walker, Walker pace, pace, but he, he, he's quick enough to get back with a ball over the top and defend against the majority 
of wingers and strikers in the Premier League? Can he put I, a tackle I, in? Yeah, I of course he can put a tackle in. I he's, still he's think a, it's psychological. I he's a well-trained like, defender, Paul. I still think it's psychological. I still think they need to pick one player, if it's Kyle Walker, bring him in to where company used to be and they need to make him the leader at the back. He's got the quality. He's a home player. He is a city player. Use it. This guy will live his career out with us if we'll only treat him <clears throat> like a homeboy. So I think we need that with Walker, number one. Number two, get the players back in that can run at players, that have got pace, that are passionate. That's Zinchenko and Bernardo. Bring them in. We've got players sitting on the bench that are absolute quality that have helped us to win matches in the past. Why are they sitting on the bench? Bring them in. Final Bring question now for this podcast. Final question is Pep Guardiola. Um, obviously a genius, uh, lovely attacking football, loved watching his teams, but always criticised for two things. First of all, uh, lots of people from the outside of Manchester City have said when he's not got great players, you know, he isn't a great coach. And you could make an argument to say that most of the players that have been the absolute spine of Manchester City through these successful years, even when Pep was in charge, have been players that were brought in by previous managers. So David Silva, Sergio Aguero, Yaya Toure. Um, obviously Pablo Zabaleta, Vincent Company, lots and lots of players who've been highly influential, Fernandinho, all brought in. Now, OK, Kevin De Bruyne, we know, is City's best player at the moment. That's a pet player. But generally speaking, most of the key players haven't been pet players. And the other side is that, you know, Pep's a great builder of a team that's all about attacking. But is he vulnerable defensively? Is that why... Apart from at Barcelona, when he had Messi in his team, when they got to the latter stages against the big teams of every competition, basically, you know, all right, and domestically, we won the FA Cup. The League Cup's a different competition. We know that. Some of the teams don't take it seriously to the semi-finals. Lovely as it is to win it, those aren't the games you judge your manager on or your, or your team or your club on. It's maybe the FA Cup, certainly the Champions League, certainly the Premier League. Pets won back-to-back -back titles by overwhelming the opposition by being fantastic going forward. But is he flawed as a coach defensively? Um, you know what? I'll, yeah. You, you can't watch City week in, week out and honestly say that he isn't flawed defensively. We haven't got a plan B. The football, I mean, again, people sort of say, oh, listen to moaning, blah, 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 blah. I'm not interested in that. I'm, I'm making a criticism now of what I've seen over the years. Um, it may be that, you know, because of this COVID and the fact we can't get into the grounds, I might be seeing things differently. I might, I might be in a mood because of it. I don't know. But we haven't got a plan B. We've, we, we can push teams aside, we can look fantastic, but great managers have a plan B and we haven't got one. It's as simple as that. There's no, you know, there's no, it's, it's, we, we can play one way and every single team now that has played, plays us knows how we play and what to do. 
we had, I think it was, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes in, the, the stats was 81% possession against 19 of, of Leicester. Um, I think Jamie Vardy touched the ball 15 times and scored three goals. So that, to me, is basically a plan to let City just pass the ball about, pass the ball about, get in a comfort zone, bang the ball over the top. Not quite as simple as that, but bang the ball over the top and, they, you know, score goals, get penalties. That's how you beat City. You know, invite them on, let them press, let them press. We don't, we're not, we don't penetrate like we used to. There's no penetration in that in, in our team anymore. We're just passing the ball about for effect. So for me, that comes from the coaching and having no plan B. And it's because Pep is so, so stubborn. Paul, do you remember? Well, a lot of podcasts I've been on, I repeat myself quite a lot because I kind of think that the plan B, and we have used it before, and it has been actually quite successful is, yeah, we, we keep the possession. Yeah, we knock about, uh, you know, to each other. It's obviously what you need to do as a team, keep as much possession as you can. But when all else fails, we need to use the speed of some of those players and we need to get the ball over the top with players running as fast as they can. And then it's one-on-one -on -one with a striker and the goalkeeper, or, or they might just be one oh. Yeah, but the way we play is not about hitting it over the top. When we no, have possession well, and we swap B. the opposition... That's plan B. But we haven't so what got you that. do then is you sit but, right back. Yeah. But okay. we have done it. We've done it in the past. We've done it where we started knocking balls over and using our speed. Look at Edison. Look at you know. Look at what he can do. For me, mainly Sterling's usually a bit more on, on the ball, pardon the pun with it, a bit more reactive. But when we're in trouble... We need to switch that plan A to plan B and start using our speed instead because that's the only way we're going to score goals. Because especially once Leicester got that second... Sorry, sorry, my connection's bad. Go on, go on, Harlan, you go for it now. Sorry. It's all right. When, when, there were, when, there were, when there was a weak uh, back line last year and if we wanted to go through it at the back, I just want to touch on this first, Ian. Um, Louisa was obviously saying then that Kyle Walker could play centre-half. He played there for England in the 2018 World Cup and he played really well there. And we could have done that and we could have utilised his pace last year. I think that was a mistake that Pep made last year, playing Fernandinho there, instead of even trying to play Rodri there, who I think would be a better centre-half than older midfielder because of the composure he's got on the height and maybe the, the ability he's got on the ball. Kyle Walker could have played there last year and I think that would have helped us. But we're talking about this season now and I think that he could have done that this season, we've not had that many games. And I think the reason why he's brought uh, Ruben Diaz in now is because he has got pace. He can play it from the back. He is a very good defender. He's well-schooled. He's played with Edison before at Benfica, which I think is important to mention as well. They perform quite well together. So there's that link there between them two, that bond, which I think will be very important. Cohesion on a football pitch is very important. Trusting a goalkeeper, trusting his centre-half. I think that is a, a nice little connection there as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I remember a podcast we did, Ian, in, in the back of in the back of your car, or shall I say Irene's car, because we, we didn't <laughs> have any keys. And it was me, you, uh, Paul, and I think it was Adam, weren't it, if I'm not mistaken. And you actually asked us that question about whether any of the players that Pep signed have been as quality as the spine that, that Mancini and Pellegrini built at the club. And I think you said there's not many players that Pep signed that have been world... They are world-class, but what I mean is that have been... 
that, are, that you could imagine going on to be City legends in the same mould as a Yaya. Well, yeah, I, I consider Yaya. I know a lot of people don't because of the, the words he said recently and the bits and bats in the media. But Yaya, your companies, Aguero, David Silva, uh, Zaba, uh, Joe Hart, because Joe Hart is a City legend. Whether you like it or not, Joe Hart is a City legend. Players like that, Pep, Pep signings have... There's always been a question mark over every signing, I think. And I, and I, th- I, think, I think that's the point we made. It was over a year ago now, and still a year on, we're still questioning the signings. Now I think Diaz might be D- D- Diaz. Diaz might be one of the because um, not it's not Brahim Diaz. Uh, but, um, Diaz is is one of the signings that I think might maybe change that now with him being a centre half. Everything's going to be focused on you know this big centre half that City been looking at signing for ages. You know, focal point's going to be him now, and he's got to perform. And then City fans might start to relax a bit more because this centre half we've been after has turned out to be good. Um, and, and going back to the messy thing, I think it did distract us, but I think we have signed the best centre half we could have signed now in, in Diaz. And I just hope that we see we see what he's done at Benfica. Before the window shut, the City need a left back, and do they need a striker? We need a striker. Yeah. We need a striker. Uh, listen, Delap is great, like great kid. I actually did see the other night the 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 side of him that you'd mentioned to to Rory in the in the Mansfield blogging. That, that side, you know, you could almost call it a, a Balotelli side, not as immature, but just that, that little streak where he isn't going to take no messing. And I think that that is what we've mentioned quite a lot during this podcast, that 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 will and that desire and that do-or-die attitude it's that I think you need. It's a bit of ruthlessness, isn't it? It's a bit of ruthlessness, yeah. that's what you want. Um, but in terms of, you know, yeah, it's not just going to be a two-month fix. We need to sign somebody, Not I don't like this Aguero replacement and, uh, the word replacement to replace somebody you'd have to be them as far as I'm concerned you're the next in line and to sign the next in line to Aguero it's going to take a bit more time but going forward this season I think we do need to go out and get someone in um, and, and if they end up being that player that Pep deems or whoever is in charge if Pep leaves to be the player that is next in line to Aguero then so be it but we, we, we can't rely on Delap to score us the goals now in, in, in the final third because to put that amount of pressure on the lad as good as he is, and I know we talked about kids and Garcia's a kid and Foden's a kid, he is still only 17. And to put all that onus on him now to score the goals that Aguero and Gabriel had score, I think it'd be unfair. So I think for Pep now to... to, to I'd love to see him do it. I'm not saying he can't. He can become the Haaland, the next, um, you know, Haaland. He can, he can become the next Mbappe if he wants to. They were only young when they broke through. But, but, but not right do, now. Do that we, pressure is unfair on lap right now to rely on him to we, score the goals. Do we need to sign a player for the future now, or do we just need to do what, you know, we need a stopgap. You know, we need to sign somebody now that can guarantee, you know, bang a few goals in and be, you know, in that team. We haven't got a, a, a recognised striker. They're both out minimum, probably one might be one or two months. Aguero will take time to get back into it. He always does. So we need a striker, you know, at the end of his career maybe, but knows how to bang the goals in. Yeah, Cavani, you know, I said it last week, Paul. Cavani's yeah. a free agent right now. Yeah. He's the only one for me out there that, 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 that makes that makes sense rather than going out and paying 60-odd million out. If Pep doesn't feel ready to commit to Aguero's next in line, now, go and get Cavani on a free. He's not agreed to deal with anyone yet. Two games in, that's what we've played. Obviously, there's been a cup tie, but two games in. One, one, lost one. Next two games, away to Leeds with a, a fantastic coach. Um, I know it's not going to be Ellen Road, a packed Ellen Road, which I think personally would have been a lot tougher than going to an empty Ellen Road. But still, Leeds United, buoyant from promotion, 
uh, started reasonably well. Then there's an international gap, and then it's Arsenal at home. Uh, City are no longer the bookies' favourites to win the title this season. First time for a little while. Liverpool, obviously, now are the title favourites. Um, has that defeat by Leicester, and some people will just take it in isolation, like City's Twitter account in and say, that was a blip, it was a bad day at the office. But as the margin of that defeat, and the fact that a team trying to be not too disrespectful to Leicester, but a team like Leicester to come to the Etihad and win 5-2, do you worry that this season now, after two games, is not going to be living up to the expectations that you've come to be used to? It's two games in, I know, but it's not that long ago since the end of last season, is it? Let's have it right. You know, the last season ended not so long ago. Um, and we we kind of started the end of last season, if that the no, the, the start of the restart of the season. We started that quite well, I thought, and then it petered out. And I think we've carried on that frame of mind into the start of this new season. We're just there's something wrong. There's something wrong. We're not we're not firing on all cylinders, and I don't quite know what it is. Perhaps in the last year of his contract, I, I isn't it? There's that, but I, I, I sort of still feel that it's always still a bit mismatched with bringing that many different players in. It's a luxury to have to have all these different players, but I've, uh, maybe I'm old-fashioned, but I like a starting eleven to almost be exactly the same players week in week out, and then you bring in your magic subs. You bring in the players that can still make a great cracking difference. Someone that can come on like Jesus used to do. Come on and score a goal because he'd been sat on the bench for like 70 minutes, 80 minutes. Or someone like Foden, who seems to do really, really well when he comes on a bit later in the match. And, and I think if we had a start in 11, it was pretty much the same every week, bar injuries. And then just bring in the magic when you, if, when you need it, or bring them in if we're ahead, because it's fine, we're ahead, bring them in to have a game. And I just think that starting a different 11 every single match, whether it's a Premier League match, then the next match it's a different 11, then the next match it's a different 11. And I think players need to gel. They need to have that instinct of, I know what he's going to do, I know what he's going to do, I know what he's going to do. So it's a preemption of what another player is going to do because you know him that well, and it's also them preempting you because they know you that well. But if you're switching and flicking players every single game and every single match, you're never going to get them being on the same page. Yeah, we we used That's to have that under Man- we used to have that under Mancini and, and Pellegrini. The, 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 Pellegrini was actually quite frustrating because he ne- he never used to bring substitutes on till about eighty five minutes and then expect them to get into a game. If you remember, he'd be screaming from his seat at the Etihad, but. I think with Pep, Louise, I think what it is, is he picks his team based on the opposition and it's very, very, very strategically and tactically planned out. So what, what he does is he, he tends to, he probably overthinks sometimes. And, and he, I think we said, I think he said it actually, didn't he, in the, in the All or Nothing uh, documentary. And I think people watch, that watched it said it. He, 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 maybe, he maybe goes home after a game, you know, and goes, oh, he over-tweaked that or that. I maybe. I maybe got that wrong because he will he will admit to himself he gets it wrong. You don't like doing that in public and he won't want to come out and say he got it wrong. And everybody us as fans will defend Pep when 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 Pep's not defending Pep. Do you know what I mean? 
And and mm. I think that's something that, that we can do sometimes. But um, he'll he'll get things wrong, and he knows he gets things wrong. And but at the same time, he's got to stick to his principles because if he starts changing them within a squad, and the, the, there's the same thing going on over here. If you don't mind me mentioning it, Ian, there's the same thing going on over here at Bolton at the moment with Ian Everett. And there's a lot of Bolton fans losing it at the moment because Ian Everett's trying to play this this Pep style of play, this possession based style of play, and, and help Bolton. And 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 the players aren't taking to it at the moment. And and I think what it is is it's the fact that you know. The manager now, if he changes that style of play now and that philosophy, and 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 maybe maybe goes to playing at the same starting eleven every week and and not not doing what he's done all for all this time, the players will start to doubt the manager's philosophy and they'll start to go hang on. You said you'd never change, and now you are, and 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 then and then that can cause a breakdown. So it's one of them. It's a difficult one, but I do get your point, and I do think that there is a problem with regards to the fact that the back four's changed. I think that's what you might be getting at as well. The back four's changed too much and the defence hasn't been able to set and that's caused a lot of errors and a lot of problems. It's your um, spine of the team. Your defence is your spine of the team. I think Arsenal, when they went, they were the un- 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 invincibles or whatever they called them, they had the same sort of like five defenders. They very rarely changed it. They only changed it through injury and we're changing too much. Now, is that because we're in too many cups? You know, should we get out of some cups early doors, concentrate on the pre- championship? Champions League and the Premier League, forget the other cups. We've done them for a bit. So, you know, is that a possibility? I don't know. Well, let's hold it there for this week's uh, podcast. Thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk, Chartered Mortgage Advisors, and I can't tell you how grateful I am for their season-long sponsorship of the the podcast. Still looking for sponsors for the vlog, um, and hopefully that will happen in the next uh, week or two, and and then hopefully the the, the vlogs can return. But thanks very much to charleslouis.co.uk. If you've not checked out my interview with uh, uh, Doug Hurley, Colonel Doug Hurley, who is the Astra... Astra, NASA astronaut, <laughs> who, uh, who is a big City fan. Uh, and that's been sponsored by Music Magpie. So thanks very much for them for doing that. The second part of the interview with Colonel Doug Hurley is up on Forever Blue YouTube channel. I absolutely cannot recommend that highly enough. Uh, give it a watch uh, and see what he's all about. And I've got loads more of that interview with him. Now, I know you're a City fan as you listen to this, and you might think I've got no interest in it. But I tell you what, you know, what's it like to fly the shuttle? What's it like to go up in that Dragon spacecraft and go up around in the space station? It certainly fascinates me. So have he, a listen he, to that. Did he, um, did he mention Uranus? <laughs> I knew you'd bring that sort of thing in, yeah. He might have mentioned Neptune and Jupiter, but but no. I Ian, I thought I thought when you that. mentioned when when you mentioned the Astra, I thought you were talking about that one that come in Prestige today. <laughs> Listen, here's a quick question, one word answer, right? I think I know two people's answers, but um, so who's going to be paying the ten quid to watch City against uh, Burnley on Wednesday night on the the stream on the Carabao Cup? It's the only way you can watch it. Who's who's watching it? I'm watching it. I knew you I'm would. Not. You're not. I knew why you it, wouldn't. Why is it the only? Why is the only way? No, there, there are ways and means of watching matches without paying. But I, I so don't what? know that. I've just been told. Yeah, well, yeah. There are ways and means. I'm one's going to watch it. One's not. I'm not. Yeah. No. No. I am going to watch it. I'm just. I'm just not going to. Pay the ten quid. Yeah. No. Yeah. I'm. I'm watch it. I'm just not paying for it. Fair enough. 
The next City game in the Premier League is hey, at come Leeds, on, of Come course. on, I'm from Manchester. <laughs> <laughs> the next Premier League game is at Leeds on Saturday, uh, 5.30 kick-off UK time. The next podcast we'll do will be on Sunday at some point. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll have a hopefully a, a more positive podcast. But, but this today has been a podcast that's been full of honesty because it's not just one game in isolation, is it? You know, this is a something that needs to be dealt with. And um, by the time City play Leeds, they'll be almost at the window, as it were, for, for and we'll know who's coming in if anybody else is going to come in. So um, stick with it. Um, and even when you get beat 5-2 at home, always remember, it's great to be a Blue. <laughs>